Hello and welcome to the Cult of SMMI. I'm your host, Scott Mort. Today we'll be continuing our conversation with Patricia Budd. When we last left Patricia, she had been recovering from an illness and lost so much weight that the the SMMI has decided to use her as a mule to smuggle money into other countries. Now, I do want to tell you, this is all covered under the vast umbrella of allegedly. I have no way of proving what Patricia says is true. I I cannot verify it as false. And I'm not saying that it's either way. What I can tell you is that Patricia seems to be very honest and forthright. I can tell you that I can find no holes in her story. And I can tell you that she does seem, she does seem disturbed by what happened to her when she was younger. But once again, I have to throw this all under the vast umbrella of allegedly. These are, these are Patricia's tales. These are her accounts as she remembers them. And I do welcome anyone on this podcast that can verify or refute Patricia's claims. On to this week's episode. So they're using you, the SMMI is using you as a mule Yes. to, to smuggle money into other countries. Yes. Yes. They duct taped me. They were so happy. I lost so much weight. They're like, oh, yes, we can smuggle. I said, why can't you put it in the bag? They says, well, no, because customs will take it. I says, well, why would customs take it? Because I didn't quite understand the laws and everything like that, mm-hmm. you know, because they wouldn't let you be educated. You know, they they censored a lot of books, a lot of information. You're only allowed to read what they give you, and that's it. So at this point, yeah. they don't even care if you end up in a Turkish prison. No, and that's 18, you know, you're talking about 18 years in a Turkish prison? Uh-uh. No. You're not going to survive that. No, you're not. Especially no, you're, you're not. Sick. Yeah. And I'm just like, are you nuts? You know, like, I was like, even thinking, I was just, what are they doing to me? Okay, so on top of that, okay, so I'm on the plane, okay, and this this is just God's, just God's way of just saying he's protecting me. But I was on the plane, and we were having turbulence, you know, Turkish Airlines, in going into Italy, okay? So there's a woman who starts to have heart issues, so they cause it, they go on the intercom. Is there a nurse or a doctor? And so I wait, and there is somebody, a nurse that goes back. This is there anybody with any medical experience? And I'm just looking around. I says, "Okay, I'll go back." So we're starting to help this woman who's having mental health issues, and she didn't take her heart medicine, and so she was having issues. So like, um, the nurse told me the elevator feet, and the nurse was tending to her. So then she starts going into cardiac arrest, okay? We're flying, okay? This is happening. 
And then all of a sudden, I don't know, out of the blue, I started praying the Hail Mary in Turkish. She snapped out of it. It was a mental health issue. It was a panic attack and not a heart attack. But everybody thought it was cardiac arrest. Okay? This was before they had, like, um, medics on board and all that stuff. Yeah. And the, two, and the two look very similar. Like a strong panic they, attack. They yeah, looks very they much are, like a heart attack. They're very similar. So how would one know? So anyway, they the Swiss Air, you know. Um, oh no, it wasn't Turk. Um, it wasn't Turkish Airlines. It was was it? I think it was Swiss Airlines because they gave me Swiss chocolate as a gift. So I'm the one who helped out with the person. Okay, so I present this, and the sisters are like where did you get this chocolate? And I just explained to them the story, and I'm not sure if they believe me or not. So I says, well, how else would I get something like this? Where else would I get this? So the mother general takes it, you know, and then that's it, you know. So that's what I mean. So everything that is, you know, unless it's something that you really, really, truly, truly need, but even that can be taken away from you, and it has, um, it goes to the community, so, so you, that was, you didn't even get a bite of this chocolate, did no, you? No, 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 no. My God. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, when I saved this person's life and I don't get it, you know? Like, I was just like, the child in me was like fighting, you know? Yeah. But I was just like, I had to be subdued of everything. So I was like, um, and this is one thing that I've learned through abuse is that when your abuser is present, you learn to be very subdued and very like submissive and everything because you don't want anything to go wrong. And so that was already embedded in me before I entered the Institute. Well, it was well practiced through. And that's maybe that's why I stayed for seven and a half years because most women would say the heck with you. I'm out of here, you know. <laughs> um, but for me, I was just like, just kept taking it and taking it and taking it. You know, it was like a rug where everybody could step over me. I, I get the feeling that it was, everything was turned up very, very slowly too. Yes. It was, it was, yeah, it was like mm. turning up the stove 100 degrees, 200, 300, mm. you know, and then sometimes they'll do like 350 because you're like really having a struggle and then they'll, then they'll jack it up to 400, you know, and it's just like, okay. Um, also, when I was with Sister Stella, there was another sister who moved in because Sister Virginia, who is an African um, American, who is actually from my diocese in Springfield, Massachusetts. She joined the order too, and she was with me, and they called her a black dog. Mm. So there was racism too. Oh, yeah. So I, I just want to explain to you the d degrees. It just wasn't one type of abuse, it was many types, and including racism. And I'm just like, how, you know, how's this possible? You know, how is this possible? These are women of God, they're brides of Christ. How is this possible? And I kept saying, oh, it's me, it's me, it's me. But then after a certain time, you have to stop saying that because you know it's not you. It's happening to a whole bunch of other people. Then the whole thing about the brothers, too. Like, okay, so the brothers were quickly found, but then all of a sudden you didn't hear anything about them. So you just like, okay, was that just a phase? And then later on, I found out Rome took over it and kind of dissolved that, too. And But, I mean, that was much later on after I left. Okay, so 
Okay, I'm still I'm still final professed, okay. They want to bring me home to the United States because I'm sick. They say you need to come home because you don't look well, you know, we're afraid, you know. And so I'm like, yeah, bring me home, you know. I want to go home anyway, <laughs> you know. That you know, but I wouldn't tell them that I wanted to see my family or anything cuz I don't want to give them any possibility where they change their mind. Oh, and they would tell you like um, one night I was like in Rome and they were like, Oh, you're going to Poland. No, we're going to send you someplace. Oh no, you're going back to Poland. I says, and I finally said, I says, you know what? Why don't I go to sleep? And when, when I wake up in the morning, you tell me where I'm supposed to go. I'm packed either way, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just trying to be like very reasonable, but it's just like you were disposable. It was like, um, I've read and seen a lot about human trafficking and I'm not saying that this was based for sex or anything like that, but I'm saying we were workhorses. So, um, I don't know if you're famous with the Simpsons, but there's an episode where they go to a fraternity, um, Luann and Peggy Hill. Are, are you familiar? I mean, are you familiar with King of the Hill? I am familiar. I think it's one of the funniest shows. There's, I think the funniest joke on all of TV, King of the Hill, whenever he can't open the can of WD-40 and he sprays the, uh, sprays it with another smaller can of WD-40. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's, yeah. Yeah, I'm very familiar. Okay, so Luann and Peggy Hill wind up going to this fraternity, but it turns out to be a cult to make jellies and jam. And the foundress is like, whatever, whoever. And so they're deprived of meat and everything like that. And so they become so submissive. So they're following on this bus. And this is what I'm talking about, human trafficking. It doesn't have to be child trafficking or sexual trafficking. There's called work trafficking, too. And I think this is what was going on. We sisters were supposed to go to Italy and remain there or go to another country and work like dogs. Well, the order took in the money for themselves. We did not see any of the money, okay? Mm-hmm. I got a um, something from the courts that Northampton Nursing Home owed me money when I was still working in the States before I was a sister. Did I receive any of that money? It was like $119 a month. Uh-huh. But you took the vow of poverty. It's all good and everything. But when you are eating rotten food, when you um, didn't have the right clothes to keep you warm or anything like that, not the right medicine, I mean, it, it was just like, okay, so where's all the money going? Well, Patrice was traveling back and forth, and so was the delegate sister, Teresa Kovacs, and then the mother vicar. They were using, you know... I said, how are they getting all these houses? And then later on, I find that out, too, that it was through, you know, manipulate, you know, being manipulative with family members. And um, so I found out a lot of stuff through one sister. And um, but we got in trouble for that. I mean, I was berated, um, humiliated in front of 200 people. And I was coughing up blood. And I remember at that time, Sister Stella was there. And she wasn't my superior, but she was supposed to be in charge of me. Mother, uh, The mother general put her in charge. She says, no one cares about you. And so I saw that I was disposable, you know, that I was nothing. I was not a human being anymore. 
you know and i that idea stuck with me for such a long time is like and i kept saying i don't deserve to live i don't deserve to eat i don't deserve to sleep you know i'm i'm not a human being so why should i care about those things you know and it it really took i mean it still takes take takes a long time to get that mentality out of your head but that's what they did with the sisters you no. know I, I gotta ask, did you, did you ever see Teresa Kovacs or Mother Patrizzi? Did they, did you ever see them eat? Did they eat with you? How were they dressed? What were, what were their lives like compared to yours? Very different. They were like kings and queens. I see. And then Mother, Mother Patrizzi was allowed to have extra stuff because she had an illness like lupus or whatever. Lyme, I forgot, whatever she had. And uh, Teresa Kovacs would, you know, um, she would, I think she would honestly try to practice somewhat the, you know, what we would have, but there would always be like excuses to have an extra yogurt or something like that. I mean, it's like for us, it was like um, most of the time, like cereal at night, you know, like that's not really nutritious. And then, um, just some, and then, then when you were in another country, you couldn't take vitamins and they withheld your medicine. It was just like, oh, you Americans, you're so weak. All you need is vitamins and medicine. And you think to survive. It's like, you know, they really picked on American sisters. Mm. We were like humiliated constantly. And, um, Sister Chinsia, this is when I was first professed. She was like saying you're a bad sister. You should do penance and stuff like that. So it was first profess and final profess is when I got the bulk of the abuse. Um, but it did start in postulancy and I just didn't recognize it, you know, um, because when something's happening to you, you view it different. You're very subjective and you know yourself, you know. And so you know everything bad about yourself. So you kind of like say, well, I deserve that because I'm like that. So you you justify them, their actions, by how you feel or think or what you have done in your life. But that's not the reality, you know. And it took me a while to understand that's not the reality of what's going on. If this was happening today to my goddaughter... Or to my stepdaughter, oh, you know, I'd be like a mama bear, you know. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't I like that when I was younger? It's just because they trained you, you know. And coming from trauma, coming from a broken home, being already broken, they use that. And I think that's that's one way of many ways they got women and men to join these orders. Just to be like workhorses. That's all we were. I was nothing more than a workhorse. Hmm. I I am sorry. I I am sorry. Well, um, it's okay because you know what? I hope this helps me tell my story. Helps stops this. I've I have stopped Teresa Kovacs from having a job with children. We have actively went to the diocese in Metuchen. Went to the DA and said. I know what Teresa Kovacs has done, you know, as far as abusing other sisters. 
she should not be with children. So they fired her. The diocese fired Plus she was pretending to be a sister. They fired her, you know. And so, and then there was another order that a, a person came to me, very similar like my order, and now that order no longer exists either. So I am very active in trying to help people to first, you know, to get out of the abuse, to heal, and then also to prevent this from happening ever again. Because yeah. um, I think that what's going on in the church today is a lot of confusion. People do not understand um, the severity of things right now. And I just, you know, and I also want to let people know that have suffered like that, they're not alone. You know, there's a lot of us and, um, you know, that I just don't want them to feel like that they're a freak of nature or anything, that it's their fault or anything like that. Because I went through that, you know, and it took many years of counseling just to say I'm not, you know, that I am a human being and I do deserve, you know, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, you know, <laughs> contrary to what, you know, the order was practicing, you know, um, but. I didn't find out a lot the damage of the order really until after I came out of the order. And so I left in 2003. Okay. I said enough is enough. My twin sister and I, we are twins. So we decided a code that no one could decipher. We figured out, um, also saying, um, as conversation, the reason why she was calling because my grandmother was ill, which true she was, she had Alzheimer's. So um, we were um, allowed to talk. Little did um, Teresa know, Kovacs know that we were planning for my getaway, and I had to. Okay, this is another thing. I have special dyslexia. Okay, so and I can't drive. All right. So there's no way I could leave. Okay. I was in Connecticut at the time at um, New Haven, Connecticut. It took two years for a new train station to be built. I had to wait two years. I was already planning my getaway two years ago. Okay. So I waited two years. What what um, year is this right now that we're talking? Okay. So 2003 is when I left. So 2001, okay. I was already like, yeah, I'm going to get out of here. You know, okay. I'm done. You know, oh, oh, I forgot to tell you. Oh, in Danbury, Connecticut. This is, this is really crucial because this, this you'll totally understand. Um, the severity of it. Um, we were at a retreat and we all had to stay in the chapel because the mother foundress was coming, the mother general. I had irritable bowel syndrome really bad. I had to use the bathroom. I was denied. I said, you know what? I'm either going to go to the bathroom here or I'm going to go to the bathroom in the toilet. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <laughs> to say, <laughs> okay, so I got yelled at for being disobedient. I got disciplined for, for being um, disobedient. Um, so I said, okay. I says, um, I guess I can't eat or drink anything. So... For two, three days, I was doing this, and all of a sudden, um, my limbs went numb. I started to feel like I was going to pass out. I went into a semi-coma, not realizing what was going on. Mother Fenders was there, Mother Jen was there, and she had the two sisters come and get me. They couldn't lift me up. They dragged me to the ground, 
you know, from the bed to the ground. Um, and then they had Father Mark come in, which was one of the brothers, and do an exorcist over me. Exorcism over me. Okay. So I was, I could hear what was going on, but I couldn't respond. Okay. And then the mother general comes in and I guess her lifting up my head or something like that brought me out of it. And then she was talking to me. Paramedics come. She tells the paramedics I was doing drugs. Oh. I go to St. Mary's Hospital in Connecticut. One sister on each side of me. I couldn't talk to the doctor or nurse alone. I couldn't say I was being abused. I couldn't say anything. Now these these two sisters on either side of you, how were they treated within the order? Do you know if they were under oh, well, the sister same Mary threat? Or? Elizabeth, sister Mary Elizabeth, she was a superior. And the other sister, she was, um, I forgot which sister that was, but she was just like a sister and a sister. Okay. Everybody experienced some type of abuse or witness abuse or witness, you know, lost something, in, yeah. you know, really deep. And I do believe that, and um, I do believe a lot of sisters justified it as this is part of religious life. This is part of dying to self, you know. And um, it's not what Jesus intended, you know, of course. And I say that with strongly today, this is not what God wanted. And I knew, I was just like, oh, you know what, this order is not for me anymore. I, I, I know this is not God's will. I was also passing out in chapel. I was having um, something either psychological, but I was passing out and I would stay like on the ground for like, or, you know, on the floor for like two or three hours. And then I would revive. No one would help me. I would just stay there. And I didn't know what was causing it. So then they have me go into psychiatric ward. And then they say I had an eating disorder because I lost so much weight. That wasn't caused by me. That was the reason why I didn't eat or drink is because I was afraid to go to the bathroom. Because if I go to the bathroom, I'm being disobedient, you know. When I came home from the hospital, though, before I went into the psychiatric ward, Mother General made me kneel on, you know, in the chapel on the, the kneeler. And she yelled at me. And I collapsed. And then she said, okay, at that point, she, you know, she's, she's done with me. So she had me go, you know, in, into the dormitory and sleep because I was like really tired up. And then that's when they decided like a couple months later after I was passing out other times in the chapel, um, that they were going to put me in psychiatric ward. Patricia wanted me to add the following. You could never cry in confession or with the spiritual director. If you did, it was a major sin. Plus, they would turn the other sisters against you. When Patricia was back in the States, she was given a spiritual director by them. But then, Patricia's spiritual director was taken away. Patrizzi called Patricia a manipulator. This was all because Patricia had told the truth 
to her spiritual director. Patricia went on to tell me that Teresa Kovacs would act like she was God by punishing the sisters. And in Patricia's opinion, it gave her power and pleasure to hurt other sisters. A lot of the sisters in Italy were the same way. I do want to thank you for joining us this week on the Cult of SMMI. If you were a member of the SMMI, if a family member of yours was a member, or if you're currently within the order, please reach out to me, strangepathwaysmail at gmail.com. Thank you once again for joining us. Take care of yourselves and each other. Mm-hmm.